Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Venice, Florida. Today is Ash Wednesday of the year 2022, and you will hear two short sermons, one from Father Bob Miller and one from Father Joe Hudson. After his baptism, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kings of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority. For it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve only him. Then the devil took him up to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will you be seated? In his sermon on Sunday, Father Joe spoke of our intimacy with God and that the purpose of our prayer and spiritual life is to draw closer to God, to let down our masks, to see him face to face. I am eager to look into the eyes of God which have seen into my heart and mind. 
It's true to say that God knows us better than we know ourselves, for we often put on a mask before other people. You know, it's difficult to confide in others, to be totally open to them. The saints say it is because of our sins, for even Adam and Eve covered themselves before one another and before their creator. In some ways, we wear a mask and act out characters that are really not ourselves, as if in a play. So we begin today the season of Lent with the imposition of ashes in the form of a cross on our foreheads. The ashes that we use this day are an ancient symbol of our repentance and remind us that we are fragile women and men that often lament the distant relationship we have with God. We are from the earth and will in time return to the ground. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But our ultimate destiny is not to become dust and ashes. Rather, our future is sharing in the risen life of Christ. And as we journey towards that future, we hear the call to grow more fully into the image of God's only Son, Jesus. During Lent, we have the opportunity to incline ourselves in the direction of our better selves, to listen to our deep-down longing for God. Jesus shows us the way through the many stories of repentance. Abbot Francois Fenelon, the great preacher and defender of human rights in 17th century France, cautioned his listeners in a sermon to remember that we never become fully aware of our sins until we begin to make changes in our lives to do away with them. That's when they stand out like a sore thumb. So I want to leave you with a story that may help you remember how to become aware. There were two men both with troubled consciences, both with troubled consciences who visited a holy man to seek his advice. And so they began. We have done wrong and our consciences are troubled. What must we do to be forgiven? Tell me of your wrongs that you have done, my sons, said the holy man. The first said, oh, 
I committed a terrible and great sin. The pain of it is always in my heart. The second fellow, comparing himself with the other, casually said, Oh, I've done a a number of small things, but they're not important. None is important. Go, said the holy man, and bring me a stone for each error you have committed. And so they went. And the first man staggered aback with an enormous boulder. The second carried in his pocket a bag of many small pebbles representing his merit, many errors. Now said the holy man, go and put them back where you found them. The first man lifted the great rock to his shoulder once again and staggered to the place where he had found it. But the second man could remember only a few of his pebbles where they were found. He came back saying, the task is too difficult. Sins are like these pebbles, said the old man. If a person has committed a great sin, It weighs like a heavy rock on his conscience. But if he is truly sorry, he is forgiven, and the load of guilt is taken away. But if a person is constantly doing small things that he knows to be wrong, he does not feel any load of guilt at all. And so he is not sorry and remains a sinner. When I reflect on my own sinfulness, um, the words of Psalm 51 come to mind. And I'd like you to open your prayer books to page 266 because we'll need that. You might leave your finger in there. And uh, to Psalm 51. But I'm going to read to you from a different translation, a more modern translation from the message, and try to um, compare it with what is written in in the prayer book. It begins... Generous in love, God, give grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt. Soak away my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You're the one I have violated. And you've seen it all, seeing the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. So whatever you decide, 
about me is there. I've been out of step with you for a long time, in the wrong since before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then. Conceive a new true life within me. Okay, that's as far as I'm going to read. But in a modern idiom, um, it sounds different, doesn't it? So I have a little exercise for you. You're going to love it. It's a beautiful day. So I'd like you to spend half an hour today or tomorrow to take a short walk by yourself alone and bring along a bag. Now, you may need a shopping bag. I don't know, but this is, this is mine. And as you walk, remember the sins that weigh on your soul. And for each, pick up a stone and put it in your bag. And when you return, place the bag in a prominent place where you're going to see it, because you're going to leave it there until Holy Week, okay? Until Good Friday. And use your bag to remind you of your sins and ask God for forgiveness. Jesus continually watched and observed the people. He saw the activities as they went about their daily lives. Those lives lived in little out-of-the-way country villages or medium-sized towns or within the metropolis of Jerusalem. The flow of activity around the marketplace, the little shops and stalls, the synagogues, and the holy temple. Despite the economic hardship of many of the people, they were very compassionate and sacrificial in their giving. But as Jesus looked beyond the surface appearance of their lives, he saw a shadow reality that was also lurking there. He saw the reaction on their faces when their neighbors praised them for their acts of generosity and their religious practices and fasts. Jesus observed that many of the people, while engaging in their acts of charity and abstinence and prayer, were secretly hoping to be seen and praised by others. It felt pretty good. He decided to point this out to the people. He said, 
When you give money to those in need, don't do it openly for all to see, but instead give in secret. And when you pray, go into your inner room and pray in secret. And when you fast, don't take on the appearance of one who is fasting. Instead, wash your face and get cleaned up and smile so that your fasting would not be seen by others. You see, Jesus was pointing out the interior subtle motivations that can lay behind the people's religious practices and acts of generosity. Some were doing these things, hoping God would be pleased with them. Others were hoping someone would see their sacrifices and just might be a little impressed. (laughs) You see, something was not quite right with the way some of the people gave and how they sacrificed. Well, 600 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah also spoke about the children of Israel's religious duties and their sacrifices. He commented on wrong motives and incorrect behavior as the people carried out their religious practices of charity, abstinence, and prayer. He said, tell my people what they have done against their God. Tell the family of Jacob about their sins. So what were their sins? Well, daily they would come to God desiring to know God's ways. They appeared to be acting appropriately and obeying God's commands. They wanted God to be near them. I don't see anything wrong with these desires, nor with their religious behavior. Do you? Well, nothing that we could possibly qualify as sin seemed to be going on there. But you see, something was still not quite right. Despite their godly desires and their passionate religious practices, we read of the people's lament to God. We had special days when we fasted, but you didn't see. We humbled ourselves to honor you, but you didn't notice. See, God didn't seem to be blessing their faithfulness. It seemed to the people that God wasn't being fair. They were following all the expectations of the scriptures. They were attending the required special days of observance. They even went to Ash Sunday and got ashes put on their foreheads, for gosh sakes. They followed all the fast days and all the feast days. But still, God didn't seem to be answering their prayers. God wasn't responding to their acts of humility and to their obedience. We are told in Isaiah that God did indeed recognize the people's acts of religious obedience and their faithfulness, and God honored their faithfulness. But there was still something that slightly displeased God. And I'd say a little more than slightly. You see, something was missing. There was something blocking the flow of God's blessing into their lives. Isaiah tells us what something was, and here's what we hear. God speaks, I will tell you the kind of fast I want. Free the people you have put in prison unfairly and undo their chains. Free those to whom you are unfair and stop their hard labor. Share your food with the hungry and and bring poor homeless people into your homes When you see someone who has no clothes, 
Give him yours and don't refuse to help your own relatives. The word of God came with some further expectations. If you stop making trouble for others, if you stop using cruel words and pointing your finger at others, see, this is the kind of sacrifice and devotion God desired of the children of Israel. This is the kind of behavior and expectation that God desires of all of God's children, you and me. We are blessed, aren't we, to be citizens of this country. But we are not a perfect nation. There are still flaws and imperfections here, aren't there? There are things that fall short of God's kingdom. There are flaws in our justice system. Not all people are treated equal. There are hungry, poor, and homeless people around us. Even at our best, all of us are still capable of pointing the finger at others and speaking with unkind words. God says that this is the kind of fast, the kind of sacrifice God requires of us as God's children. As you and I move into this season of Lent, may you and I take stock of our lives, our relationship with God and with each other, our behavior towards those that are less fortunate, our actions on behalf of the injustices in our society, the gluttony of consumerism that bloats the bellies of our nations. And may we make amends. May we take action. Amen.